man, I mean, like I was telling you before, man, when I had a call that Red Cross, because I had a, I, I had a, so it was someone who I worked with, or she used to work with us, and, you know, she's still friends with, like, a lot of people uh, who work in the office, and so today I got the news that, so she's originally from Artsakh. Right. She moved, she moved to Yerevan, and I guess with some of her family members, however many years ago, but it has a brother that stayed in Artsakh uh, and has been living there. Guy's 35 years old. And so they said to me, you know what, Nadika, we haven't heard from such and such brother. It's been over 12 hours. No one can get a hold of him. And so I said, all right, well, let me make some phone calls to find out who from the Red Cross uh, mm -hmm. I could get in touch with. And so I messaged like, a bunch of people in my contacts. And I get the number to like one of the head people that's in Goris, right? It's the first major city yeah. once you get to Arsak, coming from Arsak into Armenia. And so, man, I'm telling you, man, it was like, it was like something you would hear out of a scene in the movie. Right. You know? Right. And you're literally I, living it. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and, and I, and I want to get, make sure the name was, you know, pronounced correctly. Cause I, so right. I just started to read Armenian again, right? I, I forgot how to read Armenian. Many, many years ago, I learned it when I was a kid. And so I learned how to read Armenian again when I officially moved out here about four years ago. And so I'm like, I'm like reading the name in Armenian. I want to make sure I get it correct. And so I finally, you know, I, I got it correct. And I, you know, I let the guy know. But in the meantime, when I'm, well, once I figure out the exact enunciation of the first and last name, you know, for a good for one, two minutes, John, there is so much pandemonium, uh, hoping it's organized organized uh, chaos you know yeah just the guys people on the loudspeaker right. uh, announcing people's names yeah i mean you're hearing it's all in the background it sounded like a scene out of, scene out of a movie yeah. you know uh and just yelling out people's names so i tell the guys you know the guy's name who's missing you know, and next thing you know, he's on the microphone, like yelling the guy's name out, like David David Young, you know, like please come to the front. And so yeah, man. Thanks for coming, man. That's why we're doing this shit. Man, I've been crying so much today. It's, today was hard. Yeah, today was hard, man. After the last time we talked, I was just like emotionally done the rest of the day just talking about it. And God, I can't even imagine. Man, today it just hit me, you know. Um, I mean, that's that's fucking real when you're calling, looking for people that you've worked with, and you can hear the chaos in the background, and there's no answer. Like, I think that you know, a lot of people. It's a living nightmare. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is a living nightmare. Welcome back, everybody. As you can. Uh, see chuck is missing he's he's not feeling too good today but uh he wanted me to go ahead and do this without him um earlier this week we on bde we had a, a segment on um what was going on in azerbaijan and in armenia uh and Artsakh, and how that was kind of uh potentially you know that geopolitical conflict was uh kind of impacting the uh the energy side of things and oil and gas prices and as a Armenian myself, I wanted to take more time to uh, to really dive into this because I don't feel like I did it justice in the the short little segment that we did. Um, and so I, I reached out to one of my buddies who uh, 
is from Philly, but is also Armenian and has been, how long have you been in Armenia now, uh, Nareg, a couple of years? I have been traveling to Armenia for the last 20 years. I've been yeah. involved in the IT sector in the last 10, and I decided to move, uh, live for the most part here about five years ago. Yeah. So this is my buddy Nareg. We know each other because um, he works for a big develop, developer shop out of uh, Armenia and Yerevan called Prisma. Um, but I wanted to get him on, um, to really give, you know, kind of a deeper dive into this and, uh, because I, I mean, it's important to me, no one stateside is talking about it, which is just, you know, right now I was, I've been watching the news the last few days just to see if I could see any kind of, uh, even one, you know, 30 second, one minute clip of it. And everything right now is about, you know, the, uh, the, the, shutdown of the fed or the indictment of this or the accusations of that and it's it's very uh distracting in my opinion as far as you know just the the things that are going on globally um but it's it's not being talked about anywhere whether it's local news cnn msnbc um pretty much no one stateside is talking about it and i find that (laughs) ridiculous but again all of this ties back to um, the energy side of things. And we'll kind of get into that in a minute. So, um, we'll just jump in. Nareg. Um, yes, yes. Let's, let's kind of lay the foundation a little bit for, for people, um, who don't know, you know, most people don't have any idea where Armenia even is on a map. Um, and so, but I do think uh, as we kind of discussed prior, the geography and some of the maps and stuff of this area are very important. It helps people kind of understand things. And so, uh, can you kind of give us a little bit of a background on kind of everything going on right now? And while you do that, I'm going to pull up some maps that, uh, you can talk over. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, a lot of what's been happening in this region definitely has a tie in the oil business. And so when we were in touch about, you know, just kind of reconnecting and explaining to you what's been happening in this region, you know, I thought it was uh, great when you asked me to come on the, come on your show and to talk a little bit more about just a little bit about the history and what's been happening in this region and why it's happening. So I would say starting about nine months ago, uh, Azerbaijan uh, put a roadblock basically on the road that goes in and out of Armenia. And Artsakh, uh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, it's, it's dependent on Armenia in many ways, one of them being common goods, food, medication, stuff like this. And yeah, a lot of people don't, I don't think understand that because Artsakh is a, uh, it kind of standalone caucus Republic that most of their food, medicine, uh, even energy is imported through this little purple spot on this map right here, which is where exactly. the blockade has been, uh, for the last nine, 10 months. Um, mm-hmm. I actually recently also even read reports that, uh, Azerbaijan was also intermittently, uh, and sporadically cutting, uh, gas supply to that area as well. It's just even for electricity. Uh, yeah. Right. So yes, that's what, what I mean when I say gas, uh, natural gas supplying power plants, which means that the electricity also then goes out. And so uh, these mm-hmm. people, you know, most people don't understand that this has been going on for almost a year, but they've essentially 
starved and deprived this region um, to the point that, in my opinion, Azur felt that they were weak enough that they could move in and and take it over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so basically, after nine months of really starving these people, uh, they decided to start attacking us. And after, if I'm not mistaken, one or two days of attacking, uh, the Republic of Artsakh decided to uh, uh, see, uh, concede. Concede. That's the word I'm looking for exactly. And and uh, after that has happened, uh, up until now. Uh, it's more or less has been a living nightmare, not just for Armenians and Artsakh uh, in Armenia, but even Armenians all around the world and even anybody who cares uh, at the smallest degree talking about humanitarian uh, issues and humanitarian crisis because it's a huge humanitarian crisis. As of right now, uh, the last reports I've read of the 120,000 population of Artsakh we have about a little bit over 50,000 that is in, that have entered into Armenia. There are several people uh, in the hundreds, if not the thousands by now, who are missing. Several men are missing. Then they, uh, I saw yeah. they arrested uh, the former uh, president while he was trying to evacuate as well. Not he was a, prime a, minister. States, a statesman. His name is Ruben Bartanyan. Yeah. Uh, and so he also has been playing a, a significant role, uh, fighting for the Armenian car, cause, working on different nonprofit initiatives over the years. Uh, I've actually had a chance to meet him on a couple of occasions. Uh, very good guy. And, you know, he, he loves Armenia. He loves Artsakh. He knows that this is our uh, ancient uh, historical Armenian land. Yeah. Uh, and so he put it up to his responsibility to do what, he, what he's been doing. And now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they gave him the sentence, if I'm not mistaken, of, a, I believe it's up to 14 years in jail. So it's still a lot of movement happening. Yeah. Whether that's going to no, stick or not, nobody knows. Right. It, uh, it definitely seems as though they're, you know, following kind of historical practices of rounding up people that were pushing for freedom and independence of the region. And uh, anybody that was going against what Azer uh, would want. Azerbaijan, and, yeah. and that is incredibly similar to the original genocide back in the, uh, during World War One, when they mm -hmm. rounded up all the women and children and sent them on a death march through the Syrian desert and yep. imprisoned all the old men and then either massly executed or uh, worked the young men to death. And so that's, I think that's the biggest, uh, thing here is us as i mean every armenian around the world it's this it's very hard to describe i've never been to armenia i have no known family members living in armenia but when i <laughs> the more i pay attention to this the more i dig into this the more i hear about it 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 affects me at my core like uh, there's there's a theory that mem dna has memory and i i've never been more sure of that in my life because of the Armenian uh, history that I've got. Anything <laughs> that comes up, even just the anniversary of the genocide, it's a very emotional, heavy day for me every single year. 
And so seeing this shit happen in 2023, while we're sending billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine, which for effectively a very similar situation, um, is incredible. It's, it's very it sad. And, and, and your grandparents also survived the genocide. Yep. Uh, just like how my grandparents did now they're now my dad's side, you know, they're, they're all their family members got decimated except my, my father's dad, mm-hmm. you know, to, to give some context. Um, it's crazy hearing those stories growing up and now I'm living in a region where a hundred miles away from me to the East, the same exact thing is happening that happened literally a hundred years ago. Uh, so for me, it's, uh, it's just a different effect I get, uh, you know, being here and, you know, being in the midst of all this. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was driving home the other day after we initially talked and, uh, the hundred miles statement, you know, popped into my head and I was like, you know, the, the big loop in Houston is a hundred miles around right? Like, yeah. And it just goes around the circumference of Houston just to put, you know, the distance of this in perspective for the average person. It is in yeah. his backyard right now. Yeah. It, it's, it's very, very close uh, to Yerevan where I'm at. And, um, you know, the last time we talked, uh, you mentioned an interesting point, uh, how a lot of these post-Soviet countries, they look like puzzle pieces. Yep. And, you know, a lot of that model is, did a divide and conquer model. Hitler did it. Soviet Union was doing it. Yeah, Stalin did and, it. The British Empire yeah, did it with yeah, all the colonies. Exactly. Yeah, and so you yeah, know, I mean, just looking at this map for the average, just for the normal person, so you understand this. <laughs> this is all Armenia in red. This yellow and orange is also technically still Armenia, but then they carved out this little corner of what used to be Armenia for Azerbaijan, um, and then put these kind of caucuses and independent republics in the middle, um, just so that there would intentionally be conflict. I mean, it's the equivalent of, uh, redistricting, you know, your voting (laughs) districts in the United States that, that everybody complains about, but this is intended to always have conflict so that whoever the reigning empire is, doesn't have to worry about them because if they're fighting each other, they're not fighting us. Yeah. And, and, and just to add one more point on top of that, John, you know, it's, it's actually it's a win-win situation for Russia, right? So in their cases that, okay, if I come and get involved in the situation and bring peace, then uh, me being Russia uh, as a country, then I have to benefit out of the deal. Yep. Now, if I don't get involved and if I don't bring peace, then I'm going to go ahead and sell you guys weapons. You're both going to buy them right. off of me. And you guys would go and, you know, kill each other and you're going to keep buying weapons off of me. So for Russia as a country, they're going to benefit either way in the deal. Yeah. And, and this is what they've done in, in several parts of the, the post-Soviet Union region. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's the writings on the wall. It's, it's just the strategy they've been using. Yeah. No, I want to bring this up real quick, just so we can get a little bit of the history in. Um, Armenia is the oldest one of the oldest nations in the world and it's the first and oldest Christian nation in the world. But as you can see by this map where it (laughs) stretches from the Mediterranean all the way to the Caspian, almost all the way to the Black Sea on the North side down Mm -hmm. to 
what it looks like uh, after World War I in 1919 to that map that I was just showing you where it's now this tiny little sliver and it's hard to get mm -hmm. the context because I it's zoomed in a little bit, but uh, you know, there's, there is no debate uh, based off of history that Artsakh and most of these regions in quote unquote question have always been part of Armenia. Uh, the populations are 90 plus percent, 95% Armenian. Um, and again, this was very much so, in my opinion, designed by Stalin during the, uh, the Soviet Union era so that there would continuously be conflict there. Um, and that's exactly what's happened for pretty much the last hundred years. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a couple of countries, you know, I've read, I read that the Brits, you know, also get the blame for this too. You know, coming in during yep. World, War, World War One and this drumming lines and saying, "Okay, this is your land. That's your lands." You know, it, it's it's. I, I don't want to address these points to play the blame game at all. It's just that historically, this is what happens, and as powers powers change in this region more and more, especially if you look about the history in the last hundred years years, the 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 power exchanges that happen in this region of the world has turned around so many times. And, and the bottom line for Armenia is that, you know, were we the size of what's half of Turkey right now? Absolutely. Is there historical lands in Turkey that were Armenian historical lands? Absolutely there are, absolutely, and it's all documented. To see this happening now in the region, that was even during the Soviet times, and I'm speaking about Artsakh now, mm -hmm. uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, with the minimum of 90% uh, native Armenians that were native to that land that had been living there and their families for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, it, it's, it's absolutely crazy that, you know, you have a nomadic, nomadic people, Turkish people and Azerbaijani. These people are nomads, okay? Coca-Cola is older as a company older than Azerbaijan to get some context. Right. I was going to say this, was, yeah. this, this doesn't even appear as any sort of remotely contested region on a map until post-World War One. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's it, the, the Eastern part, the, the Artsakh and the, 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 some of the Caucasus over there. But that's the craziest part to me is that, you know, the, the, you know, claims by Azer the last 30 or so years have been, well, this is, our land, so on and so forth, but it's like it's very clearly not just based yeah. on even maps outside of you know the ones that the Armenians drew show that that's part of Armenia. Um, and then then you take it a step further and you look at the little part that's carved out. I'm not even going to try and say that, uh, and <laughs> it's, it's totally it, fine. I'll, I'll butcher it. But um, you see that it's set up for you know intentional conflict so to speak um i think the you know trying to tie this back a little bit now that we've kind of laid some foundation the big mm -hmm. reason um one of the primary reasons in my opinion for all of this is because of these pipelines so yes you can see here um as most people in the energy space know baku is one of the prolific <laughs> premier um one of the most prolific oil fields in the entire world and so Azerbaijan, since they came uh, to be a country after the Soviet Union, um, 
has come into great wealth because they have oil and natural gas resources. And uh, in addition to that, over the years, they've also had an alliance with Turkey, who is also a NATO member, by the way, which I want to make sure I point that out while all of <laughs> these human mm -hmm. atrocities are going on. Um, Turkey has been backing Azerbaijan and arming them uh, because Turkey wants access to oil and natural gas outside of Russia, which has historically been their uh, their primary option. And so as you can see, these different, the Baku pipeline, uh, the BTC pipeline, the South Caucasus pipeline, they all run very uh, conveniently directly around the neighbor that they have conflict with as well, by the way, which out of the gate, I believe, was uh, highly contested when they were originally building and planning these pipelines. Um, as you can tell, it <laughs> directly cuts around uh, to the point that it's <laughs> probably significantly more expensive for them to route it all the way around Armenia. But absolutely. Uh, but that was the entire point is they didn't want it to go through Armenia because they wanted that to be another lever for control. So the, the ultimate end goal though, um, that Armenians are even more worried about beyond the fact that hundreds of thousands of people are now being forcibly removed from their homeland with nothing, um, is that what's to keep them from just coming through and cutting off the Southern half of Armenia and joining Azer, uh, and that little Azur territory right there so that they can have a direct path. I believe they, they've discussed plans for like a train and additional pipelines and stuff once they can get these connected over here directly to Turkey. And so wrapping all of this back to, you know, digital walk counters and, and what we do on the energy side is a lot of this is true. I mean, there's, there's other factors here, but a lot of this is driven, um, by energy resources and, and, uh, access to, to, oil and gas yeah they basically want to as you mentioned they basically want to take over ultimately the goal is you know well one of the, the the goals of all these conflicts that has been happening uh one they want to it's, it's very clear now they want to eliminate armenians completely out of the region that was the goal that their that their grandparents put in place a hundred years ago and their goal is to definitely wipe out all the armenians off the the face of the earth especially in that region, uh, is probably one of the most racist regimes in the entire planet. They're talking about their plans in their news. <laughs> like, that's you know, it's, it's, that's it's, the it's, craziest it's, part. It is, It's right? in the public. I mean, it's in the public. It's not like it's these secret yeah, documents that got leaked yeah. or anything. They're talking about it on major public yeah. media. They, and then anybody that wants to say, well, you know, they're just taking over the territory. They're, it's not genocide or whatever. They are literally destroying all of these Armenian historical artifacts in Artsakh as we speak. There's videos of that on the internet as well. Um, and that's part high of- High officials, high officials are saying these statements like, yeah. we're gonna take over, we wanna kill the Armenians. They're saying it publicly. Yeah. And that's the, that's the other big thing though, is like, it's not, it's one thing to you know forcibly move people, to remove them, to starve them, and all of those things. It is a whole nother thing to intentionally go in and destroy hundreds, if not thousand year old, uh, pieces of culture, art and history in a region, because it is Christian and you're a Muslim country and you're taking over and you want to er literally erase the memory of these people here from the planet. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's an interesting point you say that. And just to, to kind of uh, put a little bit of closure of the, the second part of the, the point I was trying to make was that uh, definitely by taking, taking over the southeastern region of Armenia, which again, they haven't seen this publicly for some time now, uh, they're essentially cutting up the middleman, right? Yep. So they could go ahead and run the pipeline from Azerbaijan to their brother country, whatever they call each other, right into Turkey, uh, or they could, in addition, maximize more profits. Uh, and they don't have to worry about someone, a pipeline going through, let's say, Georgia or Russia, where these countries have the power to shut off the spigot, you know, at any, at any moment they, they want what they want to. Uh, so that's, that's another point I wanted to address of why Bolas has been happening so they can have a, just a direct connection from Azerbaijan to Turkey to run their oil pipeline. Yeah. And I want to, I want to show people while we're talking about that, here is the current pipeline beyond just the Armenia, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Turkey area. You can see lots of this is going directly to Turkey and also all the way over to the EU which is why this is even more interesting and probably why we aren't hearing <laughs> many people talk about it from a geopolitical perspective in my uh, hypothesis is that we've got all these sanctions on Russia because of the Ukraine. And this is, uh, I believe I read that the oil supply from the uh, BTC pipeline supplies the EU with roughly 7% of their, uh, their oil, which is not insignificant, especially as they are essentially trying to eliminate their ability or you know, buying oil from Russia directly. And so that's where I think this gets really, really uh, obvious as far as no one talking about it, no world leaders talking about it, nobody mentioning it. Uh, the fact that the U.S. has been, you know, backing Turkey, uh, we've we have multiple times broken an agreement after <laughs> from the 1990s where we said we would sanction Azerbaijan and we would not give them, uh, <laughs> uh, the U.S. being, we we would not give them aid or funding. Uh, we've done that multiple times since uh, then and no one's talking about it. Nobody, nobody wants to, to call a spade a spade and that's what we're here to do. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting and for people to think that if a pipeline was to be successfully run through the southern part from Baku, going through Azerbaijan into directly into Turkey, I mean, for people to think that Russia doesn't have a part and that's also were not to benefit from that kind of deal as well, I mean, these people are crazy, yeah. you know, to not have any belief in that. Russia definitely has their hands involved, and if, in my opinion, anything that goes on in the post-soviet countries for sure you know, one way or another they have their hands involved and so i just want to address that point as well yeah no it's uh again when you start looking at it on a map that's why i wanted to i had these kind of queued up it really starts to make a lot of sense right um i mean as we saw with russia and the ukraine <laughs> no one will publicly say who it is who blew up that pipeline from uh I don't even remember what, what uh, body of water that was in, but I believe it was somewhere in here um, or in the Black Sea. But that was most definitely a strategic military move, right? Uh, I mean, energy resources are 
are incredibly important as we continuously preach on on most of our uh podcasts and and shows and like uh, to this point that you can literally (laughs) use them to uh as leverage to force people out of countries and and force your will onto not just countries but the world because there's so much of the world that has uh, interest in having access to these resources outside of Russia and all of that fun stuff. So yeah, so the, you know, the energy resources in this area are are vital, not just to the local region around Turkey and Azerbaijan, but also all the way out, you know, to the EU and uh, a lot of other countries. And so uh, I started doing a little bit of research um, and I looked up who the, you know, primary equity owners are in the, uh, in the oil pipeline. I believe, uh, I believe we said on Monday that that pipeline carries like a million barrels a day, um, through it. And just to name a few, the, the biggest shareholder is BP, uh, Murray Achenkloss, the CEO of BP. I'm, I'm talking to you. Um, Chevron, Mike Worth, you guys as well. Uh, Equinor, Anders, Opital, ENI, Claudio, Discalzi, and uh, Total, Patrick, Puyan. Uh, I know I butchered that, but I've never taken a day of French in my life. Um, but I'll speak directly to Total. Your country is one of the only countries that has actually stepped up and is starting to do something and pushing for sanctions against Azerbaijan, France, um, amazingly. But, you know, I I find it, interesting that if any of those companies decided that they disagreed with what was going on they probably have a lot more power than azure does uh in effect if they were to you know say hey we don't agree with this we're going to shut down production or we're going to shut down the transportation into this pipeline um yet none of that has uh has happened yet so i also thought it would be interesting after being uh forced to forced into a lot of the ESG stuff that most public companies have been uh, forced into over the last you know, five or so years, I thought it would be interesting to kind of investigate a little bit of uh, what that looks like. And so I'm going to pull something up real quick. You know, while you do that, uh, John, and it's a great point you mentioned, I would say, you know, between these companies that you mentioned, as well as Azerbaijan, you know, these guys spend millions among millions of dollars every year lobbying, uh, influencing the media, you know, and it's actually one reason why no one really has been hearing about what was happening, what has been happening in the last nine months when this right. humanitarian crisis started in Narsak. The, the media was talking about it. You know, uh, I had a conversation recently about somebody talking about shadow banning on the social media you know if people are advocating about anything our media or arts art related it's becoming questionable of you know how much that visibility has been seen or has not been seen uh, you know as shadow banning and the knowledge of this is becoming more and more to the public you know with some of these major tech companies yeah. uh and so and it's no surprise at all too that i'm sure uh, these big oil companies and Azerbaijan and Turkey, you know, they also have an influence to these uh, major tech companies as well too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I mean, we, we've seen plenty of evidence of that stateside for lesser things. So it, it would not be surprising at all. 
Um, so, like I said, I wanted to pull up some uh, some of the ESG statements from from the companies that have equity or majority interest in these pipelines. I found uh, this is BP's, so you can see by the URL there. But I find this one, find a few of these rather fascinating. We recognize our responsibility to respect human rights and avoid complicity in human rights abuses as stated in the UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights and reiterated in the rights chapter of the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD. Uh, this one's my personal favorite. We respect the human rights of people and communities that may be affected by our activities. We end up, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. They've been so worried about climate, which is you know, much slower moving than, say, war or genocide that it is mind-blowing to me that, that these companies who absolutely have the ability to influence what is going on in this region have been dead silent um i mean come on guys like if you guys actually believe in all this esg stuff and you want to push this and that's what you guys truly believe why aren't we do it why are you not saying anything about this right now you know, I, I think as as a human race, you know, especially in the 21st century, you know, we really need to draw the line. You know, if you're comparing, talking about human lives and profit, uh, it comes to a point where how much fucking money does a company need to make? You know, are your profits that much more important over people being driven away from their homeland, uh, their native land? I mean, just the fact that the pipeline was routed how it was initially routed clearly shows like there was a yeah. problem with that out of the gate, right? Like we're going to intentionally circumvent this country, making it more expensive to develop the actual pipeline so that we could have, you know, another lever in negotiations long-term and ultimately more power. Um, but the fact that, you know, BP, Chevron, Equinor, ENI, Total, to name a few that have interests in these pipelines are completely <laughs> completely silent on this is uh is sad as someone who's spent over a decade in the industry and absolutely <laughs> tries to do everything he can to promote all the good things that we do bring this is uh is a really sad uh, sad thing it, it is a sad thing and you know by all means i'm no political analyst you know as a matter of fact that i'm actually not good at doing these types of interviews, I'm mostly someone that's behind the scenes, you know, how great would it be? And again, I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea where, you know, some of these CEOs, these companies you mentioned that are, you know, technically a part of this whole entire thing, how great could it be that, you know, they could come out as heroes, right? And facilitate this whole entire situation to really bring peace in the area. Yeah. You know, if they have so much money and so much influence, how great would it be that it'll be such a great example to the world? Uh, and like I said before, you know, it's the 21st century. Uh, the line needs to be drawn, you know, uh, Absolutely. when it comes, uh, we're talking about human lives uh, and profit over exporting oil. Yeah. Now, I, here's a here's a even better idea. I know there's a lot of geopolitical issues that go into this. It's a lot more gray than black and white. Uh, but here's a really easy one to all of those oil and gas companies that I just mentioned. Put something in place that says you will not build any pipelines from Azer across what is currently Armenia 
into Turkey on the southern or eastern side. Do it and stick to it. And you know what's another interesting point, John? The leaders of these countries, they're dictators. Yeah. We've seen we've yeah. seen in the history what has yeah. happened to dictators, right? Yeah. We've seen that. You know, the well, West really stood up to against dictators. And the fighting in Artsakh has been happening for thirty plus years now, right? It, or even longer. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's been much more heated up. Absolutely, yeah. you know, when the Soviet Union was starting to break apart, that's right. when things really started to get heated up, heated up again. Uh, but to me, it's just again one of those ironies that you have dictator-driven countries that are not being punished at all. We're, in, we were able fact, to go ahead, yeah. Even supported in many cases by the U.S. and other countries like Turkey and uh, and Azer. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting. Just to add one more quick point, since this is somewhat related, I read in the news that uh, USA provided Armenia uh, eleven point no Arts, the people of Artsakh, mm-hmm. which is a about roughly a population of 120,000. They uh, committed to give $11.5 million, which comes to about $95 a person. To me, I mean... What a slap in the face with all the Ukrainian bullshit going on. Yeah. We're misplacing billions of dollars, uh, conveniently enough, um, for, for that war. But this war, we're... (laughs) <laughs> where you have the ability to have so much influence we're getting we're basically getting you know the uh the u.s equivalent of thoughts and prayers right like we don't we condemn this and they should stop but here's here's some money and we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it we're not gonna put it on the news we're not gonna do bring it any kind of light to it we're not gonna implement any sanctions like i mean that <laughs> it's uh right, I, right. I'm, I'm very disappointed to be uh, an American uh, during a time like Me this too. because of how <laughs> just how ridiculous the the lack of of involvement the lack of policy um I mean we, we we've lost our backbone um in a lot of rights you know it's interesting Samantha Powers uh which if I'm not mistaken she leads the head of the U.S. aid yeah. so she was uh, she was in Armenia here two days ago mm-hmm. and there is so much documentation that what has been happening in the past week is genocide. Yeah. You know, she still played the game of politics with all the evidence out there. Yep. And this is even evidence that Azeri soldiers are posting. Right. Online. The they're between, not being secretive yeah, about it at all. They're, they're cutting, they're, they are literally cutting off people's heads. It doesn't matter if they're a child, if they're a woman, a man, a, a, a senior. They are literally cutting off. I mean, I don't even want to get into the details. It's so gruesome. Yeah. Um, it's not hard to find. If you, I mean, yeah, if you guys don't believe us, go on Twitter, look up hashtag Artsakh Armenian genocide. I mean, it it's there, and it's it's not difficult to find. Yeah, and, Telegram yeah, channels. You could go to uh, you could go to Azeri Telegram channels. They're open to the public, and you'll see all the information there. They're showing. They're bragging about it. Yeah, almost as if like you know what we're, we have been getting away with so much, you know right. who cares? We could just keep sharing this stuff and keep getting away with it because nobody's doing nothing. Um, so yeah, it's quite serious. She made a point that uh, well, we need to physically go in, you know, and see what's going on. 
which again, it's, it's a bunch of bullshit politics. Yeah. Uh, and so right now, just the clock's ticking uh, to see what's going to happen on that front. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, okay. You need to go in and see proof about some of these claims, you know, uh, of atrocities. It's, I don't think there's any dispute at all that these people are being forced from their homes after a nine month blockade where they didn't get <laughs> the resources that they needed to survive. So like, is there any question about that? Is that not enough to start looking at sanctions? I, I, yeah, a lot of those, see, exactly. Uh, it's like it's, you, you starve a population, right? You starve them basically <laughs> for nine months. Yep. And then now you're going ahead and you're bombing schools, hospitals, uh, apartments, uh, houses where people are living non-military. Now you're yep. bombing them after starting them for nine months. And now you're going ahead and uh, uh, having people being forced to leave their uh, their homeland where, they, where their homes are being forced to leave. You're telling me that's not enough evidence to show that this is genocide? I mean... Yeah, or, I mean, or even just to start sanctioning out of the yeah, gate and then exactly like it's, sanctions uh, definitely need to be done. I mean, yeah. enough, enough's enough because you know what? Hitler said it the best. He said, you know yep. what? I, of course I can get away with the Holocaust. Look what happened to the Armenians in 1915. You know, the Turks got away with it. Yep. That's, so, um, the, the, this has to be stopped in the 21st century. No country, no population should be uh, have to suffer like this. Armenian, non-Armenian, it this this just has to stop. Yeah, it's about humans. <laughs> yeah, it really has to stop. Man, I really, uh, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, I'm gonna have to jump here in a little bit, but um, wanted to give give you a chance just to to uh kind of have a, a final statement whatever Definitely. you want to say to to the world yeah absolutely uh again thanks john for having me uh if there is demands i will come back on the show and you know make sure i uh look more yeah, presentable we, <laughs> no, no we, we're, ha we're happy to have you on for a update hopefully there's good things to talk about in the future it's, uh, you know when there's crisis happening uh, and I've been dealing with a lot of crisis and what's been happening here, and especially in the, in the last week. Uh, I, th I think one of the most important things is to find room uh, to have humor and have a couple laughs. You can't yeah. just be mourning and be sad uh, in any crisis someone's experiencing. Uh, if you don't find those moments of being positive, uh, it could really set things for a real downhill slide. Um, regarding final thoughts, depending on where you are in the world, uh, if you're Armenian, if you're not, if you're not Armenian, if you're someone that believes in human rights and the right to live freely, uh, especially if they are from their homeland, uh, it's, I would like to have, uh, your audience to contact your state representatives, let them, let them know that, you know, what's happening in Artsakh, let them know that. The evidence is online. You have been learning about this is a clear genocide that's happening uh, to the Armenians again. You know, it's, uh, you know, we always thought that this is the 21st century. And, you know, as Armenians, we said, oh, you know, if there was so an internet, maybe. Never happened. 
right? Yeah, people would say that, oh, if this was 100 years ago, uh, if we had the internet back then, maybe the Armenian genocide would never have happened. Now it's the 21st century, we have the internet, and we see that that's not true. So they're on it, bragging about it. Yeah, they're bragging like, about it's, it. They're not even trying to hide it. Yeah, and that, that's another thing that, you know, uh, doesn't even help me go to sleep at night knowing that. No. So I would say, again, as a final thought, uh, if, if you're out there watching, uh, please educate yourself more about the situation. Contact your state representatives. Let them know what's happening. Let them know you want justice. Uh, we need to draw a line of sanctioning countries, punishing leaders when they're doing stuff like causing genocide. And to make a really a very good point that the world will not tolerate this kind of behavior. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with you on that. Uh, another thing I want to add to that is post, share, repost. No one is talking about this, and that is the craziest part about it. The more people that we have talking about it, the more pressure we can put on politicians to actually get off their ass and do something. Absolutely. Um, we need to stand that, up. Yeah. This is not this is not an Armenian issue. This is a human rights issue. Yeah. Because I absolutely. want to tell you. If nothing's done about this, I'm going to tell you it's going to happen again. It's going to happen going. again. It's going to keep repeating, you know, and one day it's going to be, you know, uh, uh, one of your views is uh, someone watching uh, their nationality, you know, their people. Yep. This, this could happen too. you know, this is this is something that needs to be stopped as soon as possible. The world should have no tolerance, sanction the shit out of these fucking countries. BP, Chevron, Equinor, ENI, Total we're talking to you you guys honestly have probably the most power in this entire scenario um it goes directly against every single esg policy you have around human rights what is happening in Artsakh and armenia right now please do not stand by and watch this happen you guys have the ability to sanction you guys have the ability to shut down operations um and i can almost guarantee you that's probably the biggest lever uh that we've got at this point in time. Um, Nareg, thank you so much for coming on. We will definitely have you on again to, to do an update. Um, Chuck, thanks for letting us do this. Everybody out there watching, listening, like we're talking about, please reach out to your senators, your representatives, um, and talk about it, post about it, share, retweet, everything. Um, there's, <laughs> there are literally people being killed because of their ethnicity, being forced from their homes, in 2023 and it has made no national news at all uh it's in, it's insane there i appreciate it, man thanks, thanks so much John. stay you. uh stay strong i know you're dealing with a lot thanks man appreciate it